0: I'm Aaron Hankin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau.
1: My name's Ann Sawyer, and my question is, when are we going to be able to swim in the Baltimore Harbor?
0: Tell me a little bit more about why you want to know. What's your interest in the health of the Inner Harbor?
1: Well, aside from wanting to swim in it myself and wanting other people to do that, I've also taken part in um, volunteer oyster gardening. But um They always tell us when we do it, like how many gallons of water an oyster can clean a day. But I have no idea how many gallons of water there are in the harbor and how long it would take and how many oysters. And I guess it also depends on how much more crap we're letting go into the harbor at the same time. But yeah, even hearing about all the hundreds of gallons of water an oyster can clean doesn't really answer my question of when will it be clean enough to swim in.
0: All right, I'm gonna see if I can get to some uh, answers for you.
1: Thank you. Okay, those answers forthcoming,
0: but first, for some context, a little flashback to the summer of 2016. There was a YouTube video that went up that July. Maybe you remember it, it made the rounds on social media. This video did not do any favors for the idea of swimming in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. So in the video, it's a hot summer evening. The Inner Harbor promenade is packed with tourists and this spectacle starts to happen where a bunch of teenagers, a tour group in town from Chicago, these kids line up on the edge of the water, they take their shirts off, and they get ready to jump in. Now, meanwhile, there's a group of local teenagers that's watching this happen, and they're all getting out their cell phones to record this because they just cannot believe what is about to happen.
1: They're from Chicago. They
0: don't know the Chicago kids—they all do a synchronized headfirst dive into the water, and from the Baltimore kids, you just hear this chorus of disgust. So, yeah, that happens, and when you see these clueless kids from Chicago splashing around in that water, I'll be honest—it makes you kind of queasy. But You know, when it comes to the idea of one day being able to take a clean, healthy dip in the harbor, hope springs eternal.
2: My name is Adam Lindquist, and I'm the director of the Healthy Harbor Initiative at the Waterfront Partnership of Baltimore.
0: So at one point, some environmental advocates set a goal to make the Inner Harbor swimmable by 2020. That didn't happen. But are we anywhere close to a
2: goal like that? You got to think, if you look at the photos of the Baltimore Harbor from 30, maybe 50 years ago, You know, what you see is a very industrial waterfront. Uh, It's only in the past 10 to 15 years that there's been a real change in the way people are thinking about urban waterfronts. And it's not just happening in Baltimore, um, but it certainly is happening here. Now you've got a population of people who are living downtown, who want to spend their mornings jogging along the waterfront, and who have an expectation that the harbor be a clean and healthy environment. So when we talk about restoring the Baltimore Harbor, um, we're talking about not bringing it back to a state where it was a couple decades ago, but really centuries ago. So this has been a, a big change and a big shift, and uh, you know, certainly something that was not going to happen overnight.
0: You talk about this being a long-term initiative. Uh, how far away are we from getting to a point where you could see people jumping in the Inner Harbor for a swim? What needs to happen between now and then?
2: well first of all there have been tremendous improvements in water quality in the baltimore harbor over the last 10 years what we've really learned though is that just like other urban waterways uh, water quality in the baltimore harbor is variable so we're not saying the harbor isn't swimmable ever we're saying that it varies depending on the weather so when it's very hot you might have algae blooms in the Baltimore Harbor um, which you don't want to swim in. Uh, And when there's been a large rain event uh, that really carries this influx of pollution into our waterways. Uh, So just like any place along the Chesapeake Bay you want to stay out of the water 48 hours after a rain event. However what we have seen over the past 10 years is a consistent improvement in the levels of fecal bacteria in the Baltimore Harbor and that's what's going to make you sick if you jump in the water. Um, We've gone from a place where 10 years ago, half of our water quality tests showed the harbor to not be safe for recreation. Uh, Today, we're seeing about 80% of our water quality tests saying that it is safe for recreation. So that's really a huge improvement. So Adam, as we're sitting here uh,
0: next to the uh, entrance of the harbor where the Jones Falls flows into it, It's a beautiful, unseasonably pleasant day for November. The leaves are uh, a blaze in color. You've got joggers going by. It's a very idyllic scene down here. Um, And we're looking at Mr. Trash Wheel, which Baltimoreans will know as the googly-eyed contraption that uh, picks up physical waste that comes down into the harbor from the Jones Falls. Talk about this point of input into the harbor and just how connected the harbor is to other waterways and the storm drain system of the city.
2: Sure, when we launched the Healthy Harbor Initiative 10 years ago, um, trash was a priority issue for us. Uh, After a rainstorm, it looked like you could walk across the harbor on trash. So we wanted to do something, we knew we needed to try some new ideas, And a company, Clearwater Mills, uh, came to us with this concept of using uh, the power and the current of a stream to power a device that could kind of rake up the trash and put it into a dumpster and keep it from going out into the open waters of the harbor. That's how Mr. Trash Wheel was born.
0: He's a beloved... Look, at I'm refer- I'm- I've anthropomorphized him. Yes. He's a beloved uh, Baltimore uh, fixture, this contraption, a feat of human engineering. There are also leader skimmer boats from the Department of Public Works that go around and pick up solid uh, trash that's floating on the surface of the harbor. You've got these feats of human engineering uh, working for you. Talk about what needs to happen to shift the tide, so to speak, to where the harbor can help take care of itself better. Things like oysters and the self-cleaning uh, systems environmentally that, that you know, are in place in a body water that hasn't suffered as much as this one.
2: Well, talk about a very unsexy concept, which is infrastructure. Um, you know, Baltimore City, a lot of our infrastructure, our sewer pipes, our water pipes, our stormwater pipes are getting to be 100 years old. So we really need a bigger focus on renewing our commitment to good infrastructure in the city, and specifically green infrastructure. The listener who asked this
0: week's question is a volunteer oyster gardener uh, and just has a particular interest in, like,
2: how do oysters factor into uh, the health of of the Inner Harbour? I mean, historically, uh, the Patapsco River, which is part of the Baltimore Harbor, you know, had oyster reefs that were as tall as a full grown man, like six feet out of the water oyster reefs. Uh, Unfortunately, today, the oyster population of the Chesapeake Bay is around one to two percent of historic levels. So we created with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation the Great Baltimore Oyster Partnership, uh, which is a partnership that grows around 100,000, 200,000 baby oysters in the Baltimore Harbor every year. They're not for consumption. They're just for habitat creation and environmental restoration, because an adult oyster can filter up to 50 gallons of water every single day. The oysters we grow in the harbor don't even stay here. They're here to kind of um, get a head start on life. We grow them in cages where they're protected from predators, and after about nine months, we transplant them to a protected oyster sanctuary in the Chesapeake Bay.
0: Let's get back specifically to the topic of swimming yes. in the harbor. Are you envisioning like an entire harbor that's clean enough that you could just hop off anywhere? Or do you, is there, are there ways to like create one area that's safer for swimming? I, I mean, it's all water, so it's all sloshing around. I don't, what's the engineering involved?
2: What we're really looking to do is to create a place in the harbor that is sectioned off from boat traffic in the harbor. I mean, engineering wise, we're just talking about putting up docks so people can easily get in and out of the water, but we're not talking about building an extra filter. We're talking about swimming in the Baltimore Harbor. And this is something that we've seen cities around the world from Paris to Boston, uh, from Amsterdam to Chicago, they are all working to reclaim our waterways for the people of our cities. Any idea where
0: this swimming spot is going to be located? How big it'll be? Is, will it be free and open to
2: the public? I think it should be free and open to the public. Uh, in terms of where, I would love to see it you know, dead center in the inner harbor. I think that there's a lot of engineering feasibility studies that need to take place before we can get to that point. I
0: imagine you have uh, critics who tell you that this is tilting at windmills, this idea of a swimmable inner harbor let me just ask you personally, like, what, what makes this idea worthwhile to you? What, what's your stake in this? What keeps you at it?
2: The Clean Water Act said that all waterways in the country should be safe for swimming by 1983. So, you know, there is a goal that was missed um, by a lot. And I really think that we have a responsibility to the people of Baltimore City to return the waterway to them. And indeed, if you think about it in terms of park space, it has the potential to be the largest park in the city of Baltimore.
0: Before we wrap up, I've got to bring it back around specifically to my listener's question. It was, when will we be able to swim in the harbor again?
2: You got a ballpark? We are looking to host a one-off swim event to celebrate the progress that's been made, I would say, in the next year or two.
0: You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment.
3: I'm Alice Valpita. I'm the Baltimore Harbor Waterkeeper for an organization called Blue Water Baltimore here in the city. And right now we're sitting on the steps in front of the Maryland Science Center at Baltimore's Inner Harbor.
0: We're looking across the harbor. It's a beautiful sunny day. The noises of downtown are around us. There's a little construction crew over there you might hear intermittently. Uh, You got a breeze blowing in the air. Skateboarders, joggers, bicyclists, tourists. The water looks blue today. A blue Water Baltimore, I imagine, would be pretty happy at this site.
3: It looks positively swimmable. Yeah. This is actually one of our routine monitoring stations where we collect bacteria and other metrics of water health throughout the year.
0: We don't see any garbage in the water, which is a good thing. But I imagine, as you say, it's it's probably what we don't see that's, that's the most concerning. Tell me about this testing that you do of these waters and, and what you're finding.
3: Blue Water Baltimore has a comprehensive network of 49 different monitoring stations in the streams and river and Baltimore Harbor in the Baltimore region. And so we're looking at different metrics of water health, everything from bacteria content to dissolved oxygen levels to nutrients and chlorophyll. So anything you can really think of that tells us how healthy or sick the water is, that's what Blue Water Baltimore is testing for all year round.
0: And when it comes to those contaminants, those pollutants, talk to me about levels. Are, are you uh, seeing positive trends? Are you, you know, my listener asked the question, you know, when will we be able to swim in the harbor? They originally said maybe 2020. 2020 is come and gone. How far away are we from uh, what you would consider a, a safely swimmable
3: harbor? In 2020, we were able to do a retrospective analysis of all of the water quality data that we've collected from our monitoring stations over the past 10 years. And for some metrics, it's a mixed bag about whether or not water quality is getting better or worse over time. So things like water clarity or nutrient content But we're seeing compelling and significant signals telling us that bacteria is getting better at about two-thirds of our monitoring stations over the course of the past 10 years. And at the stations where it's not getting better, it's also not getting worse. And so those are the stations further out in the Patapsco that are already pretty good, and so there's not much room for improvement. And so that's really great news. However, getting better doesn't mean good enough. And so we're still seeing stations with high bacteria levels, even though we're moving in the right direction, it's still not supportive of water contact or water recreation.
0: You're talking about bacteria levels. Let's just be real here. We're talking about fecal bacteria. Uh, Just talk about where that's coming from, how it ends up in the harbor and, and what to do about that conundrum.
3: At the end of the day, we know that this is about sewage overflows. And so, you know, we say raw sewage. That's the polite way of saying human feces. We're talking about raw human feces in the water. And that's from our old antiquated pipe system that overflows with sewage during heavy rain events due to infiltration of stormwater into the system where it's not supposed to be. That's also because of illegal connections into the stormwater system, causing sewage to flow into our waterways even in dry weather. And so we have this concept of, well, as long as it hasn't rained, it's probably okay. But in Baltimore, that's just not the case because we know that there's a slow leak of sewage into our local waterways all the time.
0: So I spoke earlier today with uh, Adam Lindquist, and he is very confident about this dream of a swimmable harbor. He says they're gonna have a sort of a celebratory kickoff Event as soon as, like, a year from now, where he's going to invite people to jump into the harbor and swim, it sounds like your outlook is a little less rosy.
3: So, let me tell you a little story. A couple of years ago, I visited Costa Rica for the first time. We were in a very remote area of the country called Drake Bay. And it's this beautiful little carve out on the coast of the Pacific Ocean, and beautiful ocean, beautiful waters, absolutely swimmable. One of the days of our trip, it rained heavily, and I was walking along the coast and I smelled this familiar smell, and it was sewage. It was raw sewage flowing into the water because the wastewater treatment systems in this little tiny remote town in Costa Rica are not the same as we have here in the United States. And so the question is, is Drake Bay swimmable? And I think the answer is, what day is it? You know, most of the time, Drake Bay on the coast of the Pacific Ocean, absolutely swimmable, beautiful, fishable, beautiful. On that day when it's raining and there's sewage flowing into the water, no, you wouldn't want to come into contact with that water. And so let's bring it back to Baltimore. Is the Baltimore Harbor fishable? Is it swimmable? What day is it? And so my role as your Baltimore Harbor waterkeeper is not necessarily to tell you if it's safe to swim today. It's to advocate for the policies and practices on land that result in more swimmable days. That's my role here.
0: I think about the challenges you have in front of you, and I guess a, a, a big part of environmental advocacy work isn't so much about dirt and water as it is about like changing people's psychology and the and the way we think about the resources around us. I, I guess maybe this swimmable harbor notion is a good psychological incentive in that regard?
3: People have the right to clean water. That's what's guaranteed to us through the Clean Water Act. And so I'm fighting every day for clean water. One thing that people also have the right is to know what they're getting themselves into both literally and figuratively. And so if you look around the harbor where we are right now, you'll notice that there is absolutely no signage letting people know that this waterway is potentially contaminated with sewage. We're in a high traffic tourist destination right now. In the summertime, I've seen Children playing on this landing that we're standing on right now as the tide comes up and it's covered in water. Little kids are playing in the water right here. There is no signage around here telling people that it's potentially contaminated with sewage. And we know from our water quality monitoring that we do routinely that after a major storm event, even after a not so major storm event, the water is likely not safe to let your kids play in. And so people have a right to know about that.
0: Would you? uh hop off the ledge and swim in the Inner Harbor today?
3: I wouldn't jump in the harbor for a lot of reasons. Um, Not the least of which is that it's a working port. This is a port city. There are huge cargo ships um, working all the time. You know, we're just up, up harbor, I don't even know if you can call it up river, but up river from the Domino Sugar Factory. I mean, I'm out on the water all the time Um, I get splashed in the face with the water. I wear gloves when I take samples to protect myself from any potential pathogens that might be lurking in the water. And so, no, I wouldn't intentionally jump into the water today. And I hope that I'll be able to in the future.
0: In the meantime, it sure is beautiful to look at on a day like this, huh?
3: It's gorgeous. Every single person walking along the harbor today is benefiting from local water quality and local waterways, whether they realize it or not. This is a treasure that Baltimore City has to protect.
0: Okay, back now to this week's listener, Ann Sawyer. You asked the question, Anne: when are we going to be able to swim in the Inner Harbor? You've heard a few opinions, some more optimistic than others. What do you think about what we learned? Are you ready to suit up and take a plunge in there?
1: Well, I'm glad no one said never, or not in your lifetime. And I want to be invited to this kickoff event, because I'll be there if I'm not the only one going in. But sounds like it's going to be a lot more work before there are those swimming piers, which I hope there's more than one of. But I do like the idea of there being one in the Inner Harbor. Anne, I want to thank you for uh, an excellent question. Thank you so much. Thanks for an excellent answer.
0: By the way, as for that water testing you heard Alice Volpita talk about in the story, I should say you can find all of that data at BaltimoreWaterWatch.org. Uh, we've got a link to that site, as well as Blue Water Baltimore and the Baltimore Waterfront Partnerships Healthy Harbor Initiative at our show page, WIPR.org. Slash curiosity and that's also where you can drop me a question of your own what's got you curious about the baltimore region submit your question and vote on where you think we ought to go next at wypr.org curiosity i look forward to hearing from you and by the way if uh, you're enjoying the podcast do me a favor and take a quick minute to drop a review on apple podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on it goes a long way to helping other curious folks discover the show The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR. I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.